Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Morning, everyone. I love the worship this morning. It's really beautiful. And I love the words also that came out this morning. It was so encouraging. Yeah, so Ineas wrote, I'm going to start with Hebrews 9, uh, but I'm going to run a bit through Scripture from about Hebrews 6 to Hebrews 10. So I think most of us has read Hebrews uh, in December. Some of us has read it twice, and uh, I haven't read it once. <laughs> I sort of got stuck between Hebrews 6 and 10. Sorry for the, the guys that's doing Hebrews with me as well. It's a confession in front of the church. Okay. So I'm on Wi-Fi at the moment, but I've got my little book if the Wi-Fi stops working. (laughs) Any, I'm reading out of ESV this morning. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, verse 1 to 5. So the writer of Hebrews was concerned when he was writing this book. I don't know if there's an echo in here at the bottom. But uh, the, the writer was concerned about the church that was really growing in Jesus Christ. Um, he just sensed that the church was coming to a standstill. And there's just this danger of backsliding. And if you read between Hebrews 6 and 10, he was sort of encouraging the church to go into the holiest of all. The NIV calls it the most holy place. So I'm going to speak a little bit about that. Maybe just a little bit about the tabernacle. Any help me if I miss it somewhere. But when Moses went up the mountain, God showed him what was in heaven. And he said, I want you to build exactly what you see in heaven. And we have this strange structure of the holy place. There was a, there was a curtain going into the holy place. It's almost like a tent. I think it was a tent. And then another, another curtain going into the most holy place. Or another translation calls it the holiest of all. That is where the presence of God was. The Shekinah glory manifested in that place. And as, I, as we were worshipping, once again, any you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just saw us how God made us, tripartite beings. So around this tabernacle in the wilderness, was the, there's different names for it, but they call it the outer place, which was accessible to anyone. I believe Jew and Gentile could go there. But not so with the holy place, and definitely not so with the most holy place. So if you think about the way we were made, we've got our body that is accessible to everybody. We connect with our body with our five senses. And then we have the soul and we have the spirit. Once again, any I think the soul is the is the um, sikhi. Suchi. 
in, in, in Greek or Hebrew. I think in Greek. And, uh, and, and the spirit is the pneuma. And uh, it's in our spirit, man, that the Holy Spirit came and dwelt. There's a, there's a beautiful scripture in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. Let me just start reading from 22, because the scriptures are so, so beautiful here. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply with all your hearts. And I think at the end of this sermon, if this can be our motivation, after everything I've talked about the tabernacle, if this can be our motivation to start this year, to love one another deeply, to care for one another, to actually look into each other's eyes and are willing to lay our lives down for one another. I think as a church, we will be much closer to Jesus. Also to the day of his coming. Was it Arthur that was speaking about the day of his coming? But let us love in, in each other intentionally. So that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply with all your hearts. But the main scripture is, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. When we believed the word of God, our spirit man became alive. And the Holy Spirit started dwelling in our spirit man. This is the most holy place for us where the Holy Spirit dwells. So the first point I'm going to make here is how do we enter into the most holy place? And the holy place that I'm talking about here, the holiest of all, is not our spirit. But I'm talking about where God the Father is sitting, where Jesus is sitting. When Jesus went up to heaven, he said, it's better for you that I go away. Because I'm sending you the comforter. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father in heaven. We have Jesus in heaven in the holiest place. And then we have the Holy Spirit in our spirit man. This is a hope. We, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a promise of what is to come. Of the perfect that is coming. We want to be forever and ever with the Father with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. That is what is coming. That is the day Arthur was talking about, when Jesus is coming. And we are united, spirit, soul, and body, a resurrected body. And we are in the presence of the Father, in his glory. So I'm going to read now at last Hebrews 9, verse 1 to 5, in the ESV. Now even the first covenant at regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. So we mentioned that just now. The first section was the holy place. The second section, we're going to get to that now, is the most holy place. Verse 3, behind the second curtain was a second section called the Most Holy Place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and an iron staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. 
above it with a cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. So we see in the most holy place, we have the ark of the covenant. This is the ark that Israel was carrying with him, because with that went the presence of God. Um, for us, that means that when we enter into the holy place, what we did this morning when we worship, when we enter into that holiest of all, where the Father and Jesus is sitting by the Holy Spirit, we start experiencing his presence. It's a confirmation of the Holy Spirit that is in us, the faith that we have. The Holy Spirit starts confirming his word with us. He confirms with our spirit that we are children of God. We confirm with one another as we worship together that we are the church of Jesus Christ. So the first point I'm making is that we enter into the holiest of all by hope. I'm going, to go to going, I'm going back to Louis' sermon on faith, Hebrews 11, verse 1. I'm just reading here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can read it for us. That's KJV. I'll read it in the ESV as well. So Hebrews 11, verse 1. It's a scripture that we all know. It really talks about the combination between faith and hope. So now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When Jesus spoke about a, a faith, he, he used the example of a mustard seed. He said, even if you plant this mustard seed, it will turn into this tree. I believe a mustard tree, the mustard tree is quite a big tree. So when you have this substance, the evidence in your hand, the seed, and you plant it, you can't see the tree coming up. You're hoping for a tree to come up. That seed first has to die in the ground. And then when it breaks through the ground, then you have this massive tree coming up. Going back to what we have received in the Holy Spirit. We have this deposit in us. We have this hope that not just for now we will experience the Holy Spirit. Not just for now we will go into the holiest of all where the Father and Jesus is in the Spirit. But eventually that big tree will be us being with him forever with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is the hope that we have. That is the seed that becomes a big tree. Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. We're jumping back from Hebrews 9 to Hebrews 6. We're still with hope. I think for a moment, let us just, if you want to, just close your eyes and think for a moment what hope means for you. Let's take a minute and just think, what does hope mean to me? And let the Holy Spirit just make it real. What we just spoke about in terms of hope, let, let, let us allow him to make it real in us. I'm going to keep quiet for a minute. Okay, thank you. just want to get to Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. So Hebrews 6, verse 19 to 20. This is the New International Version. We have this hope. 
as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So that's that most holy place where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever, just like Melchizedek. So this answers why we have this hope. Jesus entered in there first. And Jesus isn't like any high priest that has to go in every time, every year. Or a high priest that died, and then his son stucks over. Jesus is the eternal high priest. He went in once and forever. So he paid our sins for always. Our sins has been paid. The fact that we can sit here and be holy, be perfect, is because Jesus, the perfect one, went in the first time. And he paid the full price. So we, we spoke about our hope will realize fully when we are in the heavenly throne room, spirit, soul, and body, a resurrected body. Okay, we're going to our second point. We enter in by the blood of Jesus. So we said we enter in by hope. Second one is we enter in by the blood of Jesus. We go to Hebrews 9, verse 11 to 14. So Hebrews 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, in brackets I've got here, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So the Holy Spirit here shows the blood of Christ to the Father and say they are clean, they are sinless, they are holy. They separated unto you, they belong to you. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of this. So the blood of Jesus paid the full price. He was innocent. He had a body just like us. And he walked this road in obedience because he loved us, because there's a, there's a scripture that says it was a joy for him because he saw us in the future and he walked this road of obedience until his death. So Christ as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Who is this Melchizedek? He was the king of Salem. I didn't write it here. But he was the king of Jerusalem. He was a he was called the king of peace, king of righteousness. Had no father, had no mother. He was a type of Christ. He brought in a, a, a change of priesthood, changing from the Levitical priesthood to the Melchizedek priesthood, so that we can have this high priest that's gone in once and never has to go in again. 2,000 years ago, he paid for our sins, and he paid fully. We don't have to sit here and feel unworthy.
what you did yesterday, what you did this morning, what you're thinking about now, you don't have to feel unworthy. His blood covered everything. We just say, Lord, thank you for your blood. Thank you for cleansing us now, washing this body with, a, with, a, with your word, with the water of your word, purifying these consciences of us. It is because of his blood that we can say this. I think for one minute, let us again be quiet and think about the blood of Christ. What does it mean to each one of us individually? And do we really believe that it can cleanse our consciences and clean our bodies? It's about how we feel about ourselves prevents us from entering into God's presence. Um, and... What the writer to the Hebrews is saying and what Morris is saying is that the blood of Jesus is the cure for that. It's the blood of Jesus. It's, it's not our past performance that gives us a good conscience. Uh, because your past performance will never be perfect. Not this side of eternity. We are, God is making us perfect. And in a sense he has, according to Hebrews 10 verse 14, perfected or forever those who are being sanctified. Okay? But... The blood of Jesus, and that's what the blood of Jesus does, it perfects us forever. Even though we're not perfectly sanctified yet, even though we're in the process of being progressively sanctified, the blood of Jesus perfects us. And what we've got to do in order to enter God's presence, like Morris is saying now, is we've got to apply the blood of Jesus to our conscience. Because if your conscience is accusing you, it's the, the problem is... The secondary problem is your sin. The primary problem is how you deal with your sin or don't deal with it. So you've got to take the blood of Jesus and you've got to apply it to your conscience to cleanse your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. Um, so I just want us um, just just pray. And if there are things that are accusations in your heart, just admit them to God. Don't justify them. Don't make excuses for them. Just say, God... I feel guilty. I feel condemned. But I, I bring myself before you and I, I, I apply. Thank you that I'm in Christ and I apply the blood of Jesus to my own heart and to my conscience. Thank you that I'm clean and that I'm acceptable to you, not because of my perfect performance, but because of your perfect sacrifice. Just in your own words, uh, pray that quickly. Yes, Father, and for those that are of us that are struggling now with thought patterns and cycles of negative thought and of worries, we come now and take every thought captive unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. We come and lay it down before your feet. In the name of Jesus, we declare you as Lord and God over our thought patterns, over every cycle, every negative cycle in our mind. Break it now, Lord Jesus, by your blood. We speak your peace over our minds now. And we say, peace, be still, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So we enter in by hope. We enter in by uh, the blood of Jesus. The third one is we enter in by the Holy Spirit. We saw that the Holy Spirit was holding the blood of Jesus before the fall and say, Everything has been paid for, for the church, for the bride. Everything has been paid. 
Nothing has to be done extra. Hebrews 9 verse 8. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates. Maybe we must just go back a little bit. I want to start in the middle of a sentence. Uh, Verse 6. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, so that's the holy place, performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, so that's the most holy place. And he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened, as long as the first section is still standing. So we see the Holy Spirit's integral role in entering into that most holy place. For us to enter into this place, here he talks about the high priest. The high priest needed to be holy. He, he wore a rope with bells that was tinkling all the time. I think there was a rope. Speak on a connection, but there was a rope tied to his foot. Those bells become quiet. They pull him out. So we laugh, but we're dealing with the holy God. And uh, if, if those high priests went in there, like some of the high priests were very careless about their attitude to God, they didn't come out again. So for us to enter into that most holy place, we are fortunate because we have the Holy Spirit. He teaches us to live separated lives, to be holy before God. It's a big word, holy. It only means to be separated unto God, not having any idols. One of the first laws that Moses received on the, on the, on the, on the mount that God gave him, have no idols before me. I am a jealous God. I am your only God. So holiness is just being separated unto God, not having other stuff that falls in that spaces where we walk with God. So the Holy Spirit, his name is Holy Spirit, not just Spirit. So he helps us and he administers holiness in our lives so that we can stand before a holy God. Um. I think I spoke a little bit about God is triune. So the Father and Jesus and the Son in heaven, in the most holy place. Um, Our body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. We have touched on that. We've touched on 1 Peter 1 verse 23, when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in us. So I want to combine these three points now into a fourth point. So there's, there's another way to enter into the, holy, the holiest of all. And he says in Hebrews, it's on the new and living way. And he sort of summarizes and brings these things together. Um, I'm going to read first for us Hebrews 7, verse 23, to chapter 8, verse 2. So a lot of scripture, but I can't explain this better than what the Bible is explaining it here. We need the Holy Spirit to interpret this. So when I was preparing this, I was thinking, this is so complicated for my mind. But then it's so simple for us to understand it by the Holy Spirit. Because he just wants to take us into, sorry, he just wants to take us into the presence of the Father all the time. So it's so simple for a child. Children can be here and they will, they will grasp it. Because it's by faith that we, we, we worship him. Hebrews 7, verse 23. 
The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently. He holds his priesthood permanently as Jesus because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus still giving his life every day, all day. He always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. 8 verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. This is reality, people, that we have a place that we can enter in at this very moment, any time, night and day, we can enter and we can stay there. Hebrews 10, verse 5 to 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. As it is written of me in the scroll of the book. So we see a first order where there were sacrifices and offerings. And we see a second order or the final order which Jesus has brought in. He said, I've come to do your will, O God. That's our call today. I've come to do your will, O God. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, so we've seen we enter in by the hope, we've entered in by the blood of Jesus, we enter in by the Holy Spirit. Now he brings it together and he says, uh, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So we have seen how to enter into the holy place. What do we do when we are there? Of course, we worship. But what, do you, what does he, God expect from us towards one another? He says, 
let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for you promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Also, this is for you. And all the more as you see the day, which day? When Jesus comes on the clouds. As you see the day drawing near. So the first, the first thing I think this morning where we need to start is, what is your relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Are you confident in your walk with Jesus this morning? And if you are unsure, then we need to pray for one another. The second is we see the important role that the Holy Spirit plays as the administrator to take us into the holy place. So once again, I ask this question, what is your walk with the Holy Spirit? There's a whole chapter in Romans, Romans 8, that teaches us how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not sure about the Holy Spirit, if you don't know that He is a person and that He wants to walk with you, He wants to be your comforter, He wants to teach you to worship the Father and Jesus, we need to pray for each other on that. And the last one I felt this morning is um, healing for spirit, soul, and body. So salvation is spiritual healing. But also if there's oppression of any kind, you're struggling with fears, anxieties, doubts, you've got things plaguing your mind every day, it's in your dreams, it's everywhere you go. Let's break that by the blood of Jesus over us today. And let's pray for one another. So, Annie, can I hand over to you? Where's Tabong? Oh, there we go. Thanks, Tabong. Um, you know, one of God's biggest problems, I sometimes call it the divine dilemma, is that God loves us so much and he wants to be with us. But God is so holy that if he were to be with us, he would destroy us because we're fallen, broken, sinful human beings. So, um, you know, that scripture that Morris read, if you go and read um, Hebrews 9, you'll see that in the most holy place is the, the golden altar of incense, the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant, the golden bowl with a manna in it, all gold. Um, Aaron's staff, which is just a piece of wood, but it's, it's budded. It's supposed to be dead, but it's brought alive by the presence of God. And then the, the tablets, the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant as well, um, representing once again God's holiness. So gold is, you know, like this golden ring. We wear golden rings because gold doesn't rust. It's, it's inert. It doesn't rust. It doesn't corrupt, you know. Um, it, it represents perfection in that sense. So everything that's in the holy place, in the very presence of God, represented by the Ark of the Covenant, must be golden. 
It must be incorruptible. It must be perfect. Uh, and that's why there's the curtain that separates the most holy place from everything else, is to, to actually protect us from that perfect and in our fallen state dangerous holiness and presence of God. Um, but above, on the, on the tablet, on the on this, um, lid of the Ark of the Covenant, it, it talks about the cherubim. And they would sit like facing away from each other and their wings pointing and covering, spreading over the mercy seat, which is above these stone tablets representing the Ten Commandments and the holiness of God. And that was the place where they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. And Jesus came and by his blood sprinkled on that golden seat and that requirement of golden perfection he met. And he made atonement there so that we can safely enter into a place that would otherwise be dangerous to us. But not only that, but, I mean, in, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the temple. Destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And when his body was torn, and he talks about that in, in Hebrews, the veil was torn. And it was the thing that, because Jesus through his blood, had removed the danger to us. He, at great cost to himself, his body was torn like a, like a curtain. So that, because he's the temple, remember. He was torn so that we can enter in. And what I want you to see, and, and, and uh, this is what, what Morris has also been saying, is that Look at how committed God is to getting us into his presence. That he would meet the requirements that he rightly and justly requires of us, but that we cannot meet. That he would be willing to give his life. Jesus was willing to give his life. His body was literally torn apart. And, and, and it was at his death when his body was torn that the veil tore from top to bottom. Not, like, not from bottom to top as though man were doing it, but from top to bottom as though God were doing it. Can you, can you see how committed God is to getting us into his presence? And it's only in his presence that we will find rest. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. Our hearts will always be restless until we rest in God's presence. And, and, and Morris has now so nicely explained to us how God has made a way for us, a new and a living way for us to enter into his presence. Amen? Doesn't that make you want to enter God's presence? Doesn't that make you want to experience his presence? Doesn't that make you want to make use of all these amazing privileges that we have been given? Amen? Um, and let's make a commitment this year that we will make use. I mean, we, we are so privileged. We are so blessed. We have been given so much. And often, we experience and make use of so little of what we've been given. Let us, say, let us make this a year, 2023, let us make this a year in which we really make use of all the amazing privileges that we've been given as God's people and really enter in. Um, God wants us to experience His presence.
And he's made a new and a living way for us to enter in. Let's do that. Amen. Let's stand. Now, remember that all of these privileges that that Marius has been speaking about, all of these means to enter God's presence are only available in Christ. Um, They're only available. This whole book and these chapters all speak of covenant. They're only available when you're in covenant with God. It's it's like the, the privileges of marriage. For instance, for instance, the physical intimacy of sexual intercourse, is, it's a privilege that's only available when you're actually in covenant. It's, it's not available outside of covenant. If you're not married, it's not available to you. Okay? And, and, and the same thing here, those privileges of intimacy with God are only available in covenant when you've entered into a marriage-like covenant with God. Um, so it's not available to everyone. It's only available to those who have entered into covenant with God. So if you're here this morning and, and you're not in that covenant yet, you have not, and I'm, you know when you're married, because you stand in front of witnesses and you make covenant vows and you exchange rings. You, you, it's not like you sort of stumble in, oops, my hand fell into this ring, you know, and now I'm <laughs> married. You, know, you don't get married by accident except maybe in Las Vegas <laughs> when you're drunk. Well, you know, I'm sure some people get married, but but, but it, it's it's a public ceremony, and and it's the same when you get married, when you step into a marriage-like covenant with God. It doesn't happen by accident. You know if it's happened, and and if if you don't know that it has happened, or if you you know it hasn't happened, then come and talk to us. Come and talk to Morris. Come and talk to me. We'd love to pray with you. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, that. You love us so much that you want to give yourself to us. That you want us to experience your presence. And that you've made a new and a living way. That you've met the requirements for us to enter your presence. And that you've paid the price and made it possible for us to safely enter your presence. And experience rest in your presence. And we pray that this will be a year where we together are diligent where we make every effort to enter that rest, that rest of your presence in the most holy place. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to do that, Lord Holy Spirit. And we commit ourselves, Lord, to making this a year of really just entering in. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.